Hello and welcome to the Kiss the Wild podcast. I am your host, Kristen Wright. This is the place to have bold, real, messy conversations about sex, love, life, relationships, intimacy, conversations that disrupt the status quo in order to bring you back into alignment with your authentic and wild self. Now, I believe that life is not just a this or that situation. It's a this and that. And we're here to own it all unabashedly and unapologetically together. Right? You can be kind. You can be good. You can be beautiful. You can be soft spoken. You can be a mother. You can be a daughter. You can be a CEO. You can be a great coworker. And you can be a real bitch and you can be frustrated and wild and you can be unhinged and sexy and slutty. You can be all of this, right? The this and the that. That's what I'm talking about. And we live in this world that loves to have us feeling like there are parts of us that are wrong and bad, shameful, dirty, dangerous. And I believe that we are truly whole and holy through the reclamation of all the parts of us, especially the ones we've been taught are wrong and bad. So that's what we're all about here. Thank you for joining me today. In this episode, I am going to be sharing about the end of our hot parent summer experiment. So if you want to know about the hot summer parent experiment, then please definitely check out the first podcast, which is called, Why Don't We Do This More? So I'm also going to be talking with you today about some ways you can begin to open up the dialogue with your partner about sex so that you guys can start to create more safety and intimacy in your love life in order to grow and heal and keep things spicy and vibrant. All right, so first things first, it is officially August 1st, 2022 here today. That means it is the end of our 30 days of experimenting with physical intimacy. Now, things definitely mellowed out in the last half of our 30 days, but mostly for lots of life reasons. It wasn't for a lack of desire or lust because definitely there's been a lot of desire and a lot of life or a lot of life. There's been a lot of desire and a lot of life. That is accurate. But there's been a lot of lust and life has just kind of made things challenging. We've had big long days um, where we've been like super tired at night, sort of bone deep tired, not really having any energy at all. We've had companies staying with us. We ha- we were staying up late visiting. Uh, I was in the luteal premenstrual phase of my menstrual cycle, and it hit me really hard this month. I was feeling extra crispy, so that made things a little challenging too. Um, and then we had the baby transitioning from two to one naps a day. So if you know, you know. If you don't have kids, you probably won't appreciate what that means, but if you do have kids or you've parented small children at some point in your life, you probably know. Um, 
And that just sort of meant for us that we lost a window of time for lovemaking in the afternoon. So we lost a nap, which meant we lost this window of lovemaking as a result. And that just made, pushed everything to the end of the day, which just wasn't a possibility. The energies just wasn't there some days. And some days it was. We just definitely started out stronger in the beginning. That is for sure. But my big takeaways are that first and foremost, sex is really fucking fun. Like literally. (laughs) And those are Robbie's words, but you know, he isn't wrong. Sex is really fun, especially when it's great sex, you know? Um, So it's been a great 30 days and we could definitely be having more great times if we made the time to show up and see what happens. So I really stand by that concept of creating the space and time, showing up without an agenda, you know, exploring needs and wants and just seeing what happens. Now, exploring in this container, you know, the container being this 30-day commitment allowed us to break out of a bit of a rut. So, For example, because we often felt tired in the evenings, we generally only had sex during our kids' nap windows on the weekends, but it turns out more often than not, we could be having sex in the evenings. So although sometimes we were tired and we definitely are tired and the energy is not there, it is seemingly more available than we thought it was initially. So. Um, that's another takeaway could be having more nighttime sex I've also experienced a big increase in desire and it's something that we both talked about today I asked Robbie after sex this afternoon what his takeaway from the 30 days were and he shared that he has been experiencing a lot more desire as well and what we both feel is that you know having all of this great physical intimacy has really just increased the desire for more and so that's really wonderful I'm also experiencing increased feelings of intimacy and connection so I'm feeling more connected uh, to Robbie than I have in a really, really long time. So more connected in our parenting and in our day-to-day, just feeling, yeah, really in the flow with him. And it's, it's feeling really, just really alive between us right now. And that's really special. So yeah, another intention I had Um, and maybe more of a curiosity was around what would happen in my life as a result of tapping into my pleasure and sexual energy daily. So I believe and I know I have felt to be true in my own body how 
life-giving sexual energy is and especially if you have never really accessed that energy within yourself or have never really centered your pleasure if you begin doing that it will blow your mind and your life will change but also what happens if you're like me and you're sleep deprived and you're exhausted and you're burnt out and you're overwhelmed and you're parenting you know is it enough to support you in those moments and I guess not really even just support you but is it going to bring about like a noticeable change in your life in the sense that will your life take on this certain flavor and this is all really stemming from um, messaging that I've seen by other sex educators or in the sex coaching world that I think is really toxic and I had formed my own opinions about it but I was curious to put it into practice and so there is this subtle messaging that if you are quote-unquote a well-fucked woman that yes your life is just going to drastically change you know you might lose weight and you're going to be multi-orgasmic and you're going to make more money and you're going to be like this hot-ass bitch who asks for what she wants and you're just going to feel juicy and alive and you're never going to feel, you know, angry or frustrated. And in fact, if you feel those things, then you're probably not well fucked. And so that kind of messaging to me is really gross and very toxic. Um, it's, there's so many things that are not, not right there that I just can't even unpack right now. <laughs> at all and although I do like I said I do feel like some of those things are true that when you are unpacking so many of the things that can bind us in our bodies and keep us from feeling the ecstasy and bliss that can move so freely through our bodies when we begin to access it that yes we will potentially like make better choices for ourselves we will feel more alive certainly and I really feel like it depends what season of life you're in. I really feel like it's going to be different for each person based on their own life circumstances. And when you are in the season of life of parenting small children, I don't think being well fucked is going to save you. There, I said it. <laughs> it certainly didn't save me. And I really do feel like we need to stop stigmatizing the struggle because life isn't always just a walk in the park. Sometimes it just is really hard and we can use, you know, our connection to self to support us through the hard times, but it's also what I find takes the edge off the hard times is just that knowing and embracing that sometimes it just is hard and that's okay it doesn't mean we're broken and it doesn't mean we're failing and so I don't necessarily think that sexual energy in those moments is the answer although if you're overwhelmed and in the season of life of parenting and you're not having sex then yes it can certainly help and I'll tell you why I think that I couldn't imagine feeling, you know, isolated and at odds with my partner right now, um, going through all of the struggles that exist in, you know, the experience of parenting small children. So 
the intimacy and the connection and just the moment uh, moments of feeling so filled up and nourished because of you know the or from the penetrative sex is so helpful and so supportive so my experience with the 30 days was that you know it was the this and that really it was so nuanced so I did feel nourished and filled up I did feel vibrant and alive and juicy and like definitely more turned on and full of desire than I would normally and I still felt overwhelmed with parenting and the caretaking of big needs I still felt exhausted and I think that's just where we're at so I am embracing that with a fresh perspective and like I said I really feel like I couldn't imagine being in this phase of life and not having that connection and intimacy with my partner it has created that much more of a unified sort of front (laughs) it's so helpful so sex is everything and also there is more to it you know like sleep for example (laughs) okay so I really wanted to share today a little bit about how you can begin to create more safety and intimacy in your love life so you can grow and heal and really keep things spicy and vibrant in your lovemaking and your connection. First, I did just want to share a little tidbit that I meant to share in the first episode that I think it's really important that I also took away from this 30-day experience. So if you are someone who struggles to get out of doing mode and unwind at the end of the day, or you know, you struggle to get out of doing mode and make space and time for physical intimacy, or if you are a parent who struggles to get out of sort of mom mode or caretaking mode, then shifting gears can be really supportive. So what I mean by that is, you know, nervous system regulating exercises like shaking or deep breathing while you're, where you're focusing on a longer exhalation, maybe dancing or completing a stress cycle. So um, I learned this from Amelia, Amelia, and Emily Nagowski in their book Burnout, which is a really wonderful book, that, you know, our um, emotions have a beginning, a middle, and an end. But often, you know, because of the culture we live in, where we're kind of taught to shove our feelings deep, or we don't give ourselves the space and time to really feel what we're feeling, we really cut ourselves off. And so completing a stress cycle is letting yourself, you know, see the emotion through from the beginning to the middle to the end. And they suggest things like even exercising, you know, going for a run or going to the gym as ways to complete a stress cycle. They have a lot of other helpful things in their book. But for myself, I'll share an example. You know, I had come out of, I think, putting the baby down for a nap and I just really wasn't feeling it necessarily. I was sort of frustrated from the morning's activities. I was feeling a little bit depleted. So I took some time to myself. I went into another room. I put on some music and I just like shook my body a little bit, shook it out, 
took some deep breaths, took some sighs, rolled my shoulders, put on a song, kind of danced and moved my body a little bit and just shifted gears. So I think that's a really great way to, if you're, if you've had a big day, just to give yourself a moment to move some of that energy instead of staying stuck and then sort of showing up and seeing what happens. So again, everything I shared in the first episode is so relevant, you know, making a sexy date with your partner and just showing up and seeing what happens. But if you're really feeling like you can't, you know, shift out of this doing mode or parenting mode, then just taking that moment first to really shake off the energy or complete a stress cycle, go for a walk, exercise, that kind of thing. And then sort of show up and ask for what you need and see what happens from that place. So that's sort of one other little tidbit that I think is really important in, um, yeah, keeping that desire to show up for sex, to show up for intimacy with your partner. Okay, so growing together. I think that sex can be an amazing container for growth and healing when we are present with what is. So instead of performing, which is what we've all sort of been taught that sex is, you know, there's a very well orchestrated sort of um, visual that we all have. Like if I told you, you know, think of a sexy scenario, it's usually two people meeting, maybe there's a little bit of foreplay, clothes start coming off, there's penetration, someone has an orgasm, it's over. Um, So instead of performing, we are really present with what's real and alive inside of us. So we're connected to our desires, we're connected to sensations, we're connected to our curiosity, and we're seeing what transpires as a result of that. We're sort of fluid and in the moment versus, you know, this performance-based lens. And, you know, if you aren't sort of growing and expanding together in the bedroom, so maybe exploring edges, pushing the envelope, showing up differently, uh, not because you feel like you have to show up differently, but because, you know, this is life and we expand and grow on the journey. So not putting our sexual experiences in a box or assuming our partner is always going to show up a certain way, but instead leaving room to, for the magic to unfold, really. Um, that's what makes sex interesting. So if we're just kind of showing up, doing the same thing all the time, um, because we are stuck in this paradigm of it being performance-based, then you're probably bored or you're going to get bored, right? Like if sex is always the same, just kind of makes sense. So how do we get from where we are to where we want to be, which is, again, tapping into our desires, growing, expanding, healing, being human and messy and real? Well, I think firstly, we talk about sex. So not many folks are really comfortable having conversations about sex because of our inherited shame on the topic. So we will often have sex, but we don't want to like really be too vulnerable in the process. We don't really want to ask even necessarily moment to moment 
how our partner's feeling or if they like what we're doing. We're scared to speak up and share about what we want or we're scared to speak up and share when something isn't working. And then, you know, we kind of finish having sex and we just go about our life and we don't really communicate about the experience that we just had (laughs) or where we'd like to see the experience going. And that's okay. I'm not shaming anybody about that. Um, it's just not something that we were meant to talk about. Like we really um, have been told or taught to just brush it under the rug. I hear that a lot. You know, when I start talking about the work I do, a lot of people will say things, well, I don't want to open that up. That sounds like opening up Pandora's box or it's just easier to just shove it under the rug, brush it under the rug. So I think there's also a real ego piece. Like we want to be the best lovers, but it can be really hard to admit that we might feel insecure or unsure. And it's even harder than to voice that or to start, um, especially if we haven't been voicing it, to then begin voicing it. Um, There can be a real uh, fear around that, how our partner's going to react. So... You might also feel fear around what might happen if you tell your partner that something they're doing in the bedroom isn't doing it for you, especially if you've endured it for a long time, right? Without saying anything. So you might be someone who has been faking orgasms for a long time. Say um, it's when your partner goes down on you and you actually don't enjoy it, but just to get it over with, you sort of fake coming it can be really hard to then you know speak up and ask for what you want or what you need in order to have a real orgasm or to have a lot of pleasure pleasure can be really hard to reverse the clock on that right we've really been brainwashed to choose politeness over personal comfort in many areas of our life so I think the best way to start having conversations is to do a sharesies at the end of sex So if you've just had um, any kind of physical intimacy, I really want you or encourage you to start a dialogue with your partner. So you can start saying to your partner, I loved this part of our, you know, physical intimacy, or I really loved when you did this to me. And then you can ask, what did you like? And that might spark a bit of a conversation where they can then say, what they liked and that's really good information for you you could also then say my least favorite part was um, you know maybe it was in this position or when this happened because it made me feel exposed or vulnerable or uncomfortable or there was this moment where you know we were in this position and it was feeling really good and then it wasn't and then of course you would ask what their least favorite thing was about the sexual intimacy that you both just shared. Okay, super sorry that you can hear my kid yelling in the background, but we're just going to work with it because this is the time I've got today. Okay, you can also ask your partner to participate in a conversation before having sex. So I share a practice in the Together series, which is an online course I have, and this practice is called the Intimacy Builder. So basically, You would want to choose who is sharing first and you would set a timer for two minutes. 
So you want to be sitting and facing each other and whoever is going first is going to share what they are afraid of. So the partner who isn't sharing, we'll call partner B, they are going to ask partner A, the sharer, what are you afraid of? And now this is in relationship to, you know, sexual intimacy, sex, orgasms, nakedness, penetration, vulnerability, etc. And whoever's sharing is just going to share, obviously, what they are afraid of when it comes to the sex that they are about to have, essentially, or the intimacy that they are about to have. So it's a place to really not fix, to certainly not judge, to not to interrupt or any of those things. Partner B is asking the question, what are you afraid of? And then they are holding the space for partner A to just be real. And I just want and invite whoever is sharing to really just let it be a stream of consciousness, you know, to not think too much about being politically correct or even necessarily kind, although kindness is important, <laughs> but to, to take a little bit of the filter off, right? We're not also going to judge our partner when we're saying what we're afraid of. But we want to be able to get to a place of just being like a non-filtered, safe sharing space. So anytime that there's a natural pause in the flow of the conversation, partner B will see, thank you. And then again, what are you afraid of? And then when the two minutes is up, partner B will set the timer again for another two minutes and ask partner A who is sharing, what do you need? And again, whoever is doing the sharing will just really share what they need, you know, in terms of the sexual intimacy they're about to have, the sex they're about to have. Maybe it's what do they need to feel pleasure? What do they need to feel safe? What do they need to feel vulnerable? What do they need to have an orgasm? What do they need to, you know, whatever is there for you, obviously. And again, if there's a natural pause in the flow, partner B will say thank you and they will ask again, what do you need? And then after the two minutes up is up, partner B will set the timer again for two minutes and um, just offer partner A a bunch of really loving sort of affirmations. So whatever the par first partner who has shared, partner A has shared, you know, they've shared their needs, they've shared what they are afraid of, partner B is going to come in and just offer them a lot of loving support. So they might say things like, you are safe, you are love, I accept you as you are. You know, I see you, I hear you, I understand. I really want to help you with this. I think you're beautiful. I have so much desire for you. You know, whatever they have just heard their partner share, they are being that support person for them and just reflecting a lot of loving kindness and compassion their way. And then you're going to switch space or switch spots. Sorry. So whoever has just shared, they're going to thank the partner B for the space they've just held for them and then might even take some time to share the experience and then switch partners. And you can actually share at the end too about the experience that you've just had. 
And if you are on my email list, I am going to share this PDF. So definitely check your inbox. And if you're not on my email list, you can subscribe from my website, therightkristin.com, um, or I will add the link in the show notes so that you can get that PDF sent to you. You can send me an email and I will send it out for you. All right, so that's another sort of avenue that you can explore together to start the conversation about sex in your household. Another sort of avenue you can use to start communicating is asking if your partner would like to have a sexual session where you just explore each other's bodies using different types of touch on different areas of the body. So you can sort of use this as an opportunity to explore from like a fresh lens. So you can sort of even say to your partner, let's pretend like we've never touched each other's bodies and let's just go through one another's bodies and let's touch, it's take turns. So I'll touch you first and then you touch me. And as you're doing that, you're going to get, ask for feedback from each other. So say you're stroking someone's collarbone. You could stroke lightly and ask your partner, does this feel good for you? And you can listen to their feedback. Would you like firmer touch? Would you like a different touch? and sort of use that as a way to communicate needs and explore sexually together. Now I wanna have, I wanna preface all of this with, like it's great to have a conversation with your partner, obviously initially about shifting gear. So if you guys are used to sex looking and being a certain way all the time, then asking your partner like, hey, do you want to sort of get out of the box that we put sex in and explore a little bit? And you could even say, I have some ideas that I heard on a podcast. Would you be interested in trying them together? And we could see if this adds some like spice into our lovemaking. You don't even have to say that if you're afraid of insulting your partner. You can just say, hey, would you like to explore something new with me? I'm curious about trying this. You can even say, you know, this stuff is hard for me to talk about. So I would really love if you could help me not to feel embarrassed when I share. I would love to offer you the same opportunity. So, for example, if you want to talk to your partner about a desire that you have, you can ask them first, like, hey, do you have time and energy for me to share something that feels really, sorry, that was a funny way to say really, that feels really vulnerable with you tonight? So you can say something like this feels vulnerable and I feel a bit shy or embarrassed. So I would love if you could support me to feel open to share by being mindful of your reaction. Is that possible? So I think sometimes we're not very clear with our words and you can really be clear with your partner by asking those questions, right? Is it possible for you to hold space for me later tonight to share something that feels scary? I really need you to monitor how you react or I really need you not to try and fix me or I really need you to just listen for five minutes. Is that possible? And then you can, you know, share the why, like this feels vulnerable because of, you know, insert X, Y, or Z then share what your desire is. And after you've shared, again, being really clear with the steps that your partner can take to help you with that desire. 
and you can ask them, are you up for it? They can say no, you know, consent is sexy. It's so great to give our partners consent um, and to ask for consent, right? So we can share a need. It doesn't mean that it will always be met and that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with our relationship necessary. Obviously that's nuanced. Um, So I'm not speaking in black and white. I'm speaking in generalizations. Um, everyone's situation is unique and you always have to trust yourself obviously in your own relationships to know what is best and healthy for you and your partner but um, you know we don't have to make it mean anything all the time if our partner says no to us Um, and then we can try again in new ways (laughs) if that makes any sense I don't know So the reason I think containers are so important when it comes to sex is that I've already named sex can be a source of healing. So when we start to create more safety through conversation, more understanding and even, you know, greater intimacy as a result of sort of the communication and the conversations that we're having, then there's a sense of held space for us to get messy and be with our humanness. So we're often in performance mode because of our fear of being judged, right? It can be really hard to take off those masks and to really reveal like our wild desires, our wild inhibitions, um, if we're super afraid of being judged or that we won't belong or we won't be accepted, all of those things. So the more we get to opening the dialogue, the more we, you know, take off the masks with our partner, the more we can sort of be messy and human, which is really where the juiciness exists. So uh, rather than pretending, right? In fact, when our brains feel really safe, often what will happen is this opening for healing to occur. So when we're in the space of performance and pretending, we're really shut off from the experience that we're having. But when we really open ourselves up, when there's that quality of open heartedness, when we're really present with what is, and we're feeling really held and safe in our connection, in our relationship with the person that we're with, our brain will feel safe to begin to reveal parts of ourselves that need healing. Which again is why we want to make room for sex to not be about this performance and to get really present with what is. So often we are afraid to go there, like to let ourselves feel really exposed. And sometimes there's good reason not to go there or to be exposed. Again, definitely use your discernment. But if you're someone who is in a safe and loving partnership and you are bumping up against your edges again and again, and instead of letting yourself express what is true and real, you continue to suppress, then I'm just here to say, you know, on the other side of allowing yourself to go there, like on the other side of revealing what is true and real you know the healing work the deep work is more pleasure so we exist sort of in this pendulum where it's constantly swinging back and forth again this is why i feel like it's so important to get out of the paradigm that um sex a looks a certain way or that life looks like this like certain way that we always have to be happy or we always have to be high vibe 
Because when we're only choosing to feel a certain way, we're shutting off the rainbow of experience in our being. When we allow and make room for all of it, we open up to more of all of it, right? It's like we're, we kind of exist in this bubble of putting a lid, like of the glass ceiling of our experience. So this relates in the bedroom, but also outside of the bedroom. We put a glass ceiling on our experience, but when we like bust through that glass ceiling and allow what is really there, then we open ourselves up to so much more. So I know it can feel vulnerable and strange and messy and human at first, but again, like that's where the aliveness lives. That's where the wild, you know, wildness lives. I think we all really hunger and crave that sort of wild, uninhibited, liberated version of sex that we all have sort of in the beginning or when we down a bunch of alcohol or we are high or on other, you know, well, I guess usually we're high. We're talking about drugs. I was going to say other drugs, but I think we could just put that under the umbrella of highness. We can all agree that (laughs) that lives there. Um, You know, it's easy to lose our inhibitions then, but creating the safety and intimacy to get real and raw is like, where the magic lives in the everyday, you know? So I would really encourage you to start having these conversations, start asking the questions in the bedroom, to start getting curious, to take off the stigma, to practice exploring, you know, letting yourself being real and messy, using the tools that I have shared and see where it takes you, you know, so that things can continue to be spicy and vibrant in your love making so that's what I wanted to share with you today I really hope that it was helpful again this is Kristen Wright the kiss the wild podcast where we're all about unpacking you know everything that is holding us back from really showing up as our wild authentic original selves you know the the magic and wonder that exists when you are just who you are wild messy uninhibited real all of those wonderful things that we often love to shame but not here here we're keeping it real so please stay tuned for more i plan on coming back with my partner robbie hopefully we can get some time to both share together on the podcast our experience of our hot parent summer in july and also you know share some of what we feel makes our loving love making so extraordinary and how we've gone from like pretty good sex to really great sex especially in postpartum So I think it's going to be a really juicy episode and I look forward to sharing that with you. So stay wild, keep loving your wild self, you know, all of those parts that you love to shove deep or you've learned to shove deep. Maybe you don't love shoving them deep, but you learn to love or, oh my God, you've learned to shove them deep. Clearly it's time for me to shut it down. I look forward to talking soon. Bye for now. P.S. If you are curious about the work I do one-on-one, please check out my website, therightkristen.com. There you will find 
all kinds of information about my courses, programs, and my one-on-one -on -one coaching. I'm definitely opening up my calendar for September of 2022 and accepting new clients, which I'm so excited to get back to work after this postpartum break that I've had. So definitely check out the site or send me an email. I always love hearing from you. You can email me at kristen at thesexlovevolution.com.